You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. This episode's brought to you by Squarespace. Turn your great idea into a reality with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easier than ever to launch your passion project, whether you're showcasing your work or selling products of any kind. With beautiful templates and the ability to customize just about anything, you can easily make a beautiful website yourself. If you do get stuck, Squarespace's 24 by 7 award-winning customer support is there to help. Head over to squarespace.com improve for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code improve to save 10% off your purchase of a website or a domain. Welcome into the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You're joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I'm Jeff Harmon, the host for this episode, and I'm solo in this one, so you just kid me. Hopefully that's going to be okay, and you listeners will stick with me. I am excited about this episode. We haven't done one like this before, but I think it might become one we do every year because I found it super interesting myself as I put together and prepared for this episode, and I hope you all enjoy it too. I will certainly be posting a link to it in the Facebook group, and you can let us know what you think about it. Uh, I think it's an episode that pertains to everyone, no matter where they are in their their journey to master their photography. And I, I think it's just kind of interesting to see what uh, what is popular and what things what what topics photographers are interested in through the year. We're going to talk about the top shows of 2019, the best episodes, um, and we're taking the best by by your downloads. How many of you listened to the episodes? So the, we're going to go over the top ten most listened to episodes of the Master Photography Podcast in 2019 and and that might help us understand some of the topics and some of the themes that pe- that photographers were most interested in in 2019 and going forward I think it'd be interesting to kind of compare year over year and and see what's there and and what it's like so let us know if this is one that you you liked you enjoyed or if you'd rather we skipped it either way you can kind of give us some feedback and let us know we'd love to have that I do have two items I want to get to before we talk about the top 10 episodes of 2019. The first thing is software update status. And I have a lot of listeners who have become reliant upon the Photo Taco seal of approval being given before they go and install updates of software. Wanted to explain that briefly. I've had lots of questions come up in the forum, or sorry, in the uh, Facebook group recently. And I just wanted to remind everyone that I, I do this and it's something you can you can rely upon if you uh, are so inclined and there's already tons who do and are asking what the status is. If you don't know, I have another ep- another podcast called the Photo Taco Podcast. It's a, a separate show that I do, but it's on the Master Photography Podcast Network. It's a monthly show and I tackle technical topics mostly. Really try to break down technical kinds of things about photography in ways that most people should be able to understand. And then uh, I, I also, because I follow a lot of the technical updates that come from software makers for Adobe products, from Microsoft and from Apple, I provide kind of a status about how well those updates are ready for photographers to apply. Photographers are small business owners. 
you can't, you often rely upon your computer as the like heart and soul of your business and you can't afford to have downtime and have things be a problem. So I am sharing with people what kind of the status is in general and if it's something that photographers, given that they rely upon their computer so much, given that, is it safe for them to apply updates? It's a really complicated world we live in today. Technology, especially software that we run on our computers, is complex. It's really complicated. And, uh, you know, yes, it could be said, I, I totally agree, these companies should be doing more to try to make sure that everything is totally ready. But boy, it's a complex situation and and what they're doing sometimes doesn't end up being enough as far as testing goes. And uh, there's been a lot of releases since I've been doing podcasting <laughs> where there's been problematic updates, things that have caused massive problems for photographers. And as those small business owners who can't afford that downtime, it's been, a, it's been problems for them. So I've, I'm looking out for them. I'm trying to kind of communicate and share I watch the forums, I watch the groups that talk about these things, I have my own data, and I tend to hear a lot now from people who have problems giving me kind of the warning. So um, yeah, highly recommend that you, uh, you don't apply those updates immediately when they come out and wait for my photo taco seal of approval before you move forward with them. It is super challenging. I totally get it. Everyone wants the shiny new things that <laughs> as soon as there's an update there, especially the way that updates are notified today, you tend to want to do it. There's also good security reasons a lot of times, especially with Microsoft and Apple updates with their operating systems that need to be applied. But my, yeah, if you can just hold off, withstand that temptation to apply it, and wait for a little bit, especially with the Adobe products where it's not as a, a big a deal with security and and uh, hold on and wait till you get that seal of approval. A lot of people become reliant on it because they've been bitten and then they realize, yeah, okay, I got to wait. I got to wait until uh, until I give the go ahead. And uh, so they, they do that and then they come and ask in the Facebook groups because it's it's hit or miss. You know, I, I used to only announce it here on the shows and it, they, they might miss that update. So they'd go to the Facebook group and ask or they, they'd send me an email or something like that and, and ask me about what this current status is. I decided to build pages for this. I've talked about this before on the show, but I just wanted to remind everyone again, you can go to phototacopodcast.com slash updates. And that will give you a page that has the current status. I put in there the, the versions, the release dates, and what the current status is and when was the last time I updated the status. And I'm putting out updates in the Facebook group too about whenever I change that page, I, I make announcements there. So it's a good resource to be able to go and check it out. I wanted to just quickly review what it is right now as I'm recording this in early January 2020. I wanted to tell you that uh, the current versions of Lightroom and Photoshop, I have upgraded their status from weight to caution for both both pieces of software. And I probably could actually give the photo taco seal of approval for Photoshop, the very latest version of Photoshop. Not quite there on Lightroom yet, but almost. And caution status means you're very likely to have no issues when you upgrade to either, either software to the latest version here in January 2020. Uh, there are still some lingering things with Lightroom that I want to just give it just a touch more time, but I expect in the next week or two really to be able to give the full photo taco seal of approval on the latest releases from Adobe on Lightroom and Photoshop for photographers. The same goes for Windows 10 version 1909. 
I have upgraded that from weight to caution as well. They did have some pretty good problems with the release prior to that, and I kind of recommend you just skip that one. Uh, but 1909 in general seems to be pretty good. Most photographers are pretty likely to have things go just fine in applying that update from Microsoft. I can't give that same recommendation or status for macOS Catalina from Apple. That one is still a very strong weight status. I really recommend that photographers do not yet upgrade to macOS Catalina. There's just a lot of problems with drivers and software not functioning and it, it can really mean some issues and so you, you you just are better off waiting on that upgrade that doesn't mean you're guaranteed to have problems i know i'm gonna have people who are gonna email me or write in the facebook group and say i applied catalina when it first came out i've had no problems whatsoever that's true and that's that's great that's fine for you uh, I'm glad that's worked out for you, but there are a lot of people, me included, my just myself, as I have used, uh, there's various drivers and software that I have. I have uh, two different MacBooks that I've tried it out on, and there's been problems, there's been issues. Most of them have resolved now, here in January 2020, but it took software makers a long time to catch up and get their things updated. Most of the time, I think mo the majority of the problems are with the, the other vendors of software that, of what you're using and not a problem from Apple, but there are some issues with, with uh, the updates from Apple as well. So anyway, the, the long and short of it is it's a really strong weight status on that still. I don't expect that to change here in January even, but hopefully by February, then we'll see a lot more uh, updates that make it so that that's, that's a more seamless transition and something where I can upgrade it to like a caution status or maybe even give the photo taco seal of approval. Um, you can go to that, that status update page though. I highly recommend like bookmarking it now, phototacopodcast.com slash updates. And uh, that'll let you know that uh, where, where things stand, if you're wondering. And uh, that, that's, so that's one of the things I wanted to talk about before we get into the top 20, 2020, or sorry, 2019 shows. The second thing that I wanted to get to was the most used post-processing software in late 2019. So we, we did a survey. We had a, a survey open for a few months late in 2019. It was kind of a, a poll or survey. It was a single question. We asked you listeners, how, what is the primary post-processing software? It's hard to say those many, that many P's in a row. But what is the post-processing software that you primarily use to edit your photos? I know a lot of us use multiple tools. But we were interested in, in just trying to check the pulse of our listeners for what is the software you primarily use, the one that you spend the most time in editing your photos. And um, and, and so we, we left that survey open. It was just a single question. I put together a list of the, the most common editing programs that were available late in 2020 or 2019. I keep saying 2020 now, but late in 2019. And, uh, and you could choose any of those. We wanted just one selection. And, um, and so now I wanted to go over kind of the numbers of what we got out from that. There's a lot of people that were interested to know what the survey showed. And so we, we ran this from beginning of October through the end of December in 2019. And, um, and it's interesting data to me, but I, I want to preface that before I give you what the data is and what I talk about, 
This is not necessarily an indicator of market share exactly. I mean, it may speak somewhat to market share, but there is kind of a cause and effect here, a chicken and egg problem. We on the show here, most of the hosts are Adobe product users. We use that in our day-to-day photography editing, and, um, and we talk about Adobe products a lot too. So there's kind of a... If you build it, they will come (laughs) cause and effect here. We talk about it a lot. That means people, photographers who post-process using Adobe products are probably going to want to listen to the shows because that's what we talk about. And if we talked more about or if we had more hosts on the show that used other software, that might attract listeners who wanted to hear more about other software. So I, I do think that the nature of the show, the host, the subject matter, what we have on the show has a really heavy influence on these numbers. So I, I don't think you can you can take this for uh, market share necessarily. I also don't want it, you to mistake this for being something of like, this is the software you should be using. All the other software is junk. <laughs> Any kind of commentary like that, because that's not at all what this indicates. This is just Listeners, it was a, a single question answer. What software do you primarily use to process your photos? And um, we wanted to just make sure we were meeting the needs of our listeners. We thought that it was this way and we just wanted to validate because I have a lot, we have a lot of feedback of people who saying they'd really like to see us cover some other software. And I'll get to that in a second. But here's the, the numbers, not the raw numbers, but here's the numbers that came out. I'm going to give you the top 10 post-processing programs that were used by our listeners or said that, you know, they reported was being, they were using at the end of 2020. Uh, Number 10, I'll go in the reverse order here. Number 10 coming in at 0.69%. So under 1% of the people using it is a software program called ACDC. Uh, Number nine is Adobe Photoshop Elements at 0.828%. Uh, which was kind of an interesting thing to us. I do occasionally get listeners who are saying, Why, are you ever going to go over Photoshop Elements? And um, there's just very few of you who are using that software, and it's not going to be worth it. I, I don't use the software. I don't think any of the other hosts on the show use that version of Photoshop. Um, so I don't. I can't really even speak to what the differences are. I'm not in it enough to be able to outline, you know, tips and tricks for it or differences, even though it's an Adobe product, it's not one of the Adobe products that I use or, or even know how to get actually, it's not available. I think you have to buy it separately outside of the creative cloud. Anyway, um, there's very small percentage of you using it. It's not to say it's bad to use. It's, it's not, I think it's probably a really good option actually for someone who's just getting started to be able to, to pay just a lot less for the software and be able to get a lot, most of the functionality Um, but we just won't be spending much time on it here because there's a very small percentage of you that are using it. Number eight was Apple Photos at 1.4%. Number seven is software that, uh, it was very interesting to me that it was in the top 10. It's it's Darktable. That came in at about 2.1% of you listening. And uh, so that was interesting. I have tried Darktable a little bit. I've given it a run just because I wanted to be aware of it, it's, it's totally open source software. So it's free to be able to use it. It's supposed to, it's trying to, to emulate or, or mimic a little bit. At least it's the same ideas as Lightroom. And, um, and that's interesting to, to me, but still 
a very small percentage means that's not going to be something we're probably going to spend a whole lot of time on. I do think it's worth my checking it out every once in a while just because I want to be able to tell people if they don't want to pay for software, what's the best free alternative? Uh, that's a pretty decent one for a Lightroom kind of competitor. Uh, number six was Affinity Photo at 2.9%, almost 3% of you. Number five, so now we're in the top five, Skyloom Luminar at 5.8%, which is uh, is good. I'm really glad to see that there's uh, uh, that many who are using Luminar. I think Luminar is a really fun tool to have in your toolbox. So even if you're mostly an Adobe product user as a photographer, having Luminar, if you can afford it as a as another tool available to you, is a good thing. And another option in, in your toolbox, like, you know, everywhere that the, the artist, you know, another another color in your palette for painting or whatever it is, whatever you want to compare it to, it's just a nice option to have knowing what it's capable of so that if there's a use case that comes up where you're thinking, oh, that would really be helpful, you have it and you can use it. It's a it's a fun tool to have. It's not horribly expensive. It's pretty inexpensive as software goes. And I think it's very worth looking into and, and having. And if you're wondering, we do have some episodes where we talked about Luminar in 2019. So you can go over to masterphotographypodcast.com and in the search bar, just type in Luminar. And there are a few shows where we talk through some of that. All right, number four is phase one, capture one. That's about 6.9% of you use phase one, capture one. Very, very compelling software. I, again, don't have a lot of experience. I have downloaded it. I've run it before. <laughs> I think I, I kind of took a look at it in 2019 too, just to, to see what's there, what's up with it. And, um, and that's, uh, you know, a decent sized percentage of you. And uh, I'm glad that you're listening. If, if that's the primary software that you use to edit your photos, we have enough other shows besides talking about Adobe products that hopefully we, uh, we are entertaining you and uh, helping you. And uh, thanks for listening. If that's the software that you use, we're, we really appreciate it. Number three, so we're in the top three now, the most heavily used post-processing software in late 2019 for, from our listeners on one photo raw is number three at 7.3%. And uh, I'm glad to see that. I, I kind of predicted that that's how it would go. That's in my head. I thought that on one photo raw would probably be the, the one of the, the top three in what is being used there and capture one all being in the top five for sure. I, I was expecting that to be there. So kind of came in as I expected. Very, very capable software, both of those on one photo raw and phase one, capture one. And if, if you are in the camp who is frustrated with Adobe, you don't really like the value, you don't see the value in the creative cloud here in 2020, I understand that. I get your reasons for not wanting to be in a subscription model and maybe even being frustrated with releases that are uh, an issue or uh, the lack of brand new features that are super compelling to you. Whatever your reason, if you don't like that, those are a couple of, of pieces of software to go and definitely take a solid look at. We just probably still won't be covering much on them. Again, I'm not using that software day to day. I'm not doing deep dives into that software. And, uh, and we, we still probably won't cover it a ton in 2020, but occasionally. Uh, for sure, Like if they have big, uh, big updates that make a lot of news, we'll delve into it. Um, we may have Connor, hopefully Connor will have a little more time 
here in 2020 to come on the shows and, and he could talk about capture one cause he's a capture one user. Anyway, those, those are there. So now the top two are both the Adobe products at number two is Photoshop at 10%. So the, uh, the vast majority is the number one. And that is the, the 800 pound gorilla, at least as far as we go here on master photography, that's Adobe Lightroom at 57.4% of you. So that's a massive, massive percentage of people listening. And again, cause and effect. I don't think this has a lot to say about what you should be using necessarily uh, or market share in general. Um, it may a little because the numbers are so lopsided. It may say a little bit about market share. But almost 70% of you listening to the show and we're willing to fill out the survey, that's another factor too, um, are, are using Adobe products. And that's what we're going to talk about on the show. That's what we use. That's what I can speak to the most. I really, really wish I had the time to be able to go through other software in the depth and the detail that I am for the Adobe products. But I, I just don't have that time. Um, I, I'm not sure if you you'd really can appreciate or understand how much time it takes to investigate the Adobe tools to the depth that I do, especially in the Photo Taco podcast that I talked about at the top of the show. Um, I spend almost as much time researching things, testing things in Lightroom primarily, but also in Photoshop um, as I do using the, those tools to edit my photos. <laughs> And, um, and so it, it just, it takes a lot of time to be able to get the depth that I have in those and, and the other hosts on the show too. Whenever we talk about software, we can speak from a lot of experience with the Adobe products. That's what we are using day to day for editing our photos as well. And so, um, I, I really wish that I had the time to be able to go and, and just investigate capture one or like take turns in processing my photos. Say so I'm going to spend the next month in Capture One and use that software and, and dig into it and really get into what's there and recommendations and, and things like that. I just don't have the time for that. And um, I really love doing the show. I love being able to share the knowledge that I have or the knowledge I gain as things come out um, with, with the Adobe tools. And um, I... But I also we also want to share lots of tips and tricks too about you know cameras and lenses and tripods and lights and and all kinds of other things besides software. So the the reality is, 2020 is going to see a whole lot more discussion <laughs> about the Adobe tools uh, because that's where the the time is being spent. It's where our experience is. It's where I can add value, and it's what our listeners are listening for. So. I appreciate everyone who is using other software for their contributions, uh, especially in the Facebook group. As, as people ask about software, as they ask questions about other software, it's really wonderful that we have a collaboration group in our Facebook group where people can go and, and talk to each other and share information. Uh, I do want to just kind of, before we get into the best episodes of 2019, say there again with the Facebook group, please make it a positive environment don't we're not there to fight with each other we're not there to try to say that one thing is is necessarily better than another um we all have different experiences we all have different cameras and lenses and tripods and lights there's lots to choose from there's not one right way to do any of this 
There's not. It's a creative process. There's so many directions and so many ways you can take this. Let's be nice. Let's help each other. Let's be constructive. If people ask for feedback, then give them honest but constructive feedback. Not tearing anybody down. Not um, not belittling someone if they're towards the start of their pho- photographic journey and not further down the path. Let's let's just be encouraging and and helpful for each other. And let's let the rising tide raises all boats. Let's just be nice to everybody. Let's have a great 2020 in the Facebook group and on the podcast. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I love the resource that we are we've been able to create. And, and create this very collaborative group. And, uh, and I hope we're going to have a great 2020 together. All right. With that said, let's jump into the best episodes of 2019. I'm super excited to kind of go through this. It was fun for me to see what it was that you listeners liked the best in 2019 from our shows. We had a lot of shows. We could do them pretty much every week. I think in 2019, we missed two weeks <laughs> for releasing an episode. But um, so that's, that's a lot of shows. It's really fun then to see of those shows, what were the top 10 most listened to episodes. And so we just, uh, you know, the, we, we measure how many episodes, how many people are listening. Uh, you, you have to in podcasting. And, uh, and so I just went and pulled from the statistics for the entire year what were the top 10 most listened to shows? And I'm going to start with number 10 and we'll work our way up to number one. I'm going to just tell you what the show was. I'm going to tell you when it aired because I, I was interested in that. Like, was it most listened to because it was the one also that was out there the longest that would have kind of an impact? Like if we did a show late in December, that show didn't have nearly as much time to become in, be in the top 10 as one that was released in January of 2019. So the release date, the air date, and then kind of what uh, I'm going to do a very, very brief summary about what's there. Um, some of why I wanted to do this was so that there's interest in, interesting just to see what you all thought was the, the best of the shows, but also because um, there's new people on the show all the time. So these are now the top 10 episodes you might want to make sure you go catch up on. Yeah, I'm listening to all 50 or so episodes from 2019. That's a lot of time. It's over 50 hours for sure of content to go and catch up on and uh, if you want to know kind of what are where to focus listening to the archives, then this is uh, these are the episodes to go and make sure you check out because they were the most listened to. All right, so number ten, it was an episode called "Printing Revisited." It aired in January of 2019, so maybe part of the reason it was one of the most listened to was because it was out there for a long time in 2019. It was an episode that Brent and I covered. We were the ones hosting that show, co-hosting that show. Uh, we were talking about printing our own photos, which is probably actually the reason that was in the top 10. There's a lot of interest. I've heard that through the Facebook group. We've seen lots of questions about printing your own photos, and we, we just had a lot of interest in it. That's why we do shows, too. Our, our shows, the way we choose the subjects, is uh, related to the questions that we see and, and the kind of the interest level that we see from photographers through the Facebook group or through uh, email is another way that I get a lot of feedback. And so uh, so we, we definitely center our shows around what we're seeing interest in. And this one just have ended up having a lot of interest in 2019. 
Uh, I had at the time just invested in a Canon Pixma Pro 100 printer. So I was talking about my experience with that printer. I went with that printer because the price was right. And that was the sole reason was the price. It was a very inexpensive way to get the printer. Canon had done a massive deal where I think you essentially got the printer for like $80 or something, which included like usually even just the ink itself is near that. So it's it's a, a really inexpensive way to get into having a printer at home. And then there were some other things I had to get, some other accessories like a, a cutter, a paper cutter, a good one so that you could cut out photos. Like if you printed on a, on a big sheet and you printed five by sevens, you need to be able to cut out the five by sevens out of that big sheet, stuff like that. So, uh, so we went through some, some recommendations and experience in printing your own photos in that episode. So you can, all of these will be linked in the show notes so that you can go and easily check them out. Um, if, if you're interested in kind of going back and looking at these, all right, coming in at number nine, then the ninth most, most listened to episode in 2019 was one called thoughts on Sony a seven R four. And this one aired in March of 2019. It was again, Brent and I talking about the specs. So Sony had just barely released the specs on what was going to be their new A7R4 at the time. It had just barely been announced. So we went over the specs, kind of explaining a little bit about what the specs are for people who were new to that and didn't understand maybe the terms. You know, when it, whenever a camera, a new camera is released, there's a lot of terms that go into it, a lot of numbers and specifications. And I know I found it totally intimidating when I was first getting into photography about that. Even though I had a really strong technical background, I, I was really familiar with a lot of technical types of terms prior to that. The camera world is a different world. And if you don't know it, you don't, it's hard to understand those specs. So we went through them, kind of defined them a little bit, but then even gave our kind of reaction to those specs. What what did we think about the specs that were there? Um, I was very tempted to switch over to camera based on the specs alone. A very impressive release of a new camera in 2019 for Sony with the a7R4. Um, but in the end, it still was just too expensive and Really, though, the biggest thing was too much work for me to switch from Canon. As a hobbyist photographer, I'd really kind of have to sell everything I have, be without camera equipment for a bit, and then buy into a new system. That's the only way I could really afford to make that happen. And uh, it's just not something I want to do. So, uh, so that work for switching is really the th biggest thing that keeps me from switching to a different manufacturer. And Canon, I'm a Canon shooter today. It's not that I chose Canon knowing what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing when I chose Canon. It was just, that's what people around me were shooting. It's what was most marketed to me at the time. I chose in uh, 2011, I believe, is when I bought my first camera. And so I, yeah, that's that's what I chose. And it was by pure accident. And now I'm kind of just there. It's fine. Canon's a, a great manufacturer of products i'm able to create images that i want using canon products and it's it's been good but i was very tempted with the a7r4 brent was similarly tempted and he wanted to rent the camera out and see if sony might be the line for him he he kind of had an itch in 2019 to switch camera systems or at least upgrade a camera. And he wasn't convinced Canon was where he wanted to stick. Brent was also a Canon shooter in 2019. 
Um, he didn't end up switching to Sony either. In fact, he didn't really give it a big try. The, he made an effort with Fuji, and there's there's episodes where we talked about that in 2019. Uh, it didn't end up being the system that he um, he thought it would as he got into it. He loved the camera itself. He loved the the way you shoot with it. He loved a lot of things about it. He didn't end up liking the post-processing and how his final images could come up with. Maybe just too used to using Canon stuff and Adobe products with Canon stuff. Uh, but he, he ended up staying with Canon in 2019 as well. Again, that's not a commentary on what's best for photographers. It's just our own actual experience and where we ended up. It's In the end, it ends up being like a practical thing. And for neither of us, was it a practical thing to switch over? It doesn't mean that if you did, you made a mistake. That's probably a great thing for you. And I, I mean, I wish I had both the time and the money to have tried it and switched and, and see what it comes up with. And we'll, we'll see how things go in 2020. I am expecting to finally make an upgrade to my camera body in 2020. And uh, I'll, I'll be sharing my experience through the year as we go through that. But we did share lots of good thoughts. And we uh, specifically, if you're wondering about the specs on cameras, that's an episode you might want to go check out just to kind of learn about what the various specs mean and, and what that what that's about. All right, number eight, the eighth most listened to episode in 2019 was one that was called LinkedIn for Photographers with Brent Bergham and Jeff Brown. It aired in May of 2019. So, you know, about half the year was all it had to be to rise up to the top, which is kind of impressive then. That means a lot of you really, really liked that episode and listened to it. Brent brought on an expert, Jeff Brown, to talk about how photographers can leverage the LinkedIn platform to uh, market their services or grow their client base. And uh, it was a really interesting episode to be able to do that because LinkedIn isn't, isn't a social media platform that leaps to mind when you talk about photography and growing your client base. So maybe that's why you all liked it so much was because you hadn't really thought of that. Or maybe it's uh, because people found the podcast because they were searching for how should photographers use LinkedIn. Whatever the reason, you liked that episode and there's a lot of good information in there. Jeff Brown is uh, very, very successfully using LinkedIn. And if you want to kind of up your LinkedIn game with regards to how you're using it for your photography, go check out that episode. There's some good tips and suggestions covered by Brent and Jeff in that episode. Jeff Brown, not this Jeff. <laughs> Too many Jeffs. All right, number seven, the seventh most listened to episode in 2019. It was 10 tips for photographing fall color. Interesting to me that this ended up in the top 10. Because it's not the first episode, I think we kind of do this almost every year. We cover tips for photographing fall color. It aired in September 2019, right there, the kind of height of the fall color time. And this was an episode that Jeff and Brent covered, so the two of us. And we covered our top tips for giving yourself the best possible chance to create stunning fall color photos. Uh, there's nothing totally like revolutionary. If you've heard us say it before, we there's a lot of repeat tips in there because there's only so many tips you can give for fall color shooting. We did end up sharing 11 tips, even though the title said 10. There was a, a bonus tip in there, I'll, I'll say. And, uh, and we just gave, we shared a lot of ways, a lot of things you can do 
to try to, to give you the best chance to, to create stunning fall color photos. But one of the biggest things is having good fall colors in front of you. And that is not something you control. Mother Nature's in charge of that. And sometimes it goes off like crazy. And sometimes it's kind of a lackluster year. It just kind of varies and depends. There's some locations that are definitely more prone for it than others. And uh, so we, anyway, we shared some good tips on what you can do to give yourself the best chance to come away with some fun, really stunning fall photos. And go check that out um, if you're interested in reviewing those tips. All right, number six is how to sharpen and reduce noise in Lightroom with Greg Benz. So this aired in August of 2019. So definitely the second half of the year. So very impressive that it made the top 10. And these, by the way, are in order of the most listened. So the sixth most listened to means they, this was you know, sixth in the, in the list. The number one was the one that was listened to the very most. They had the most listens of the others. I'm not sure if I made that clear. Um, so, so really cool that this one made it into the top 10 and that it's in the sixth position. It's, it was, it means it was very, very interesting to a lot of you. And uh, I'm really glad. I'm glad that that made it. So Greg Benz, if you don't know, is a good friend of mine. He, we, we've done a, a lot of work together and uh, I love Greg's information. He has his own. He has a blog that he posts to very, very regularly, and he posts uh, video training, free video training courses, pretty regularly that have to do with um, advanced features in Photoshop, in particular, where he breaks down some really advanced techniques and makes it. He breaks it down in a way that's really easy to understand. And this was no exception. The topic for this show was noise reduction, sharpening and noise reduction. And I asked Greg to come on the show because I loved this particular post that he made over on his blog. He had a post there called How to Reduce Noise in Photoshop. And he went through a few things that I had never heard explained at the level he had. I had some experience myself in how to use it. Um, what what he was going through was Adobe Camera Raw and how to use that for doing noise reduction properly, sharpening and noise reduction properly in Adobe Camera Raw um, as a process called deconvolution sharpening. It's a big word. I'm not going to explain it here because we're just summarizing things. But you should go check out that episode for sure. If you want to improve how you're doing sharpening and noise reduction in the Adobe products, so this applies equally to Lightroom and Photoshop, because Adobe Camera Raw, the same sliders are there in Lightroom as they are in Photoshop. And, and he just talks about kind of the, the baseline sharpening noise reduction techniques that you should be using and how to uh, really like each individual slider for, for sharpening and noise reduction, how you should use those and how you should kind of gauge what to do with them. Um, it changed the way that I do sharpening and noise reduction in my own photos. I was close to doing the same thing that Greg did, but there were a couple of tweaks that I needed to make to my own workflow that came out of that episode. And I was, it was fun to have Greg on. I'm definitely going to have Greg come on again in 2020 as he posts other interesting things. We'll ask him to come on the show and share more with this audience. But you, you want to follow Greg too. Go subscribe to, I think he has a newsletter for his blog posts and uh, you definitely and Twitter and Instagram and you should follow him there so that you get the information when he releases tutorials. They're really fabulous. All right. So there's the top six 
I guess the the lower five, I should say. There's the lower five of the top ten. That's an interesting way to put it. Huh? We want to. We need to take a break real quick right here and thank a sponsor for this episode. That is Squarespace. We are so grateful to have Squarespace as a partner for this episode. I know a lot of you listening right now have struggled with getting a website created that really shows off your ability to create compelling images and sell your services as a photographer or your landscape photographers, and you're having a hard time getting people to pay you for that picture. There's a saying, landscape photographers tend to do portraits because mountains don't pay to have their photos taken. And that's absolutely true. It can be so competitive. It's such a a hard marketplace to be in. Everyone's a photographer these days, whether it's their, the the DSLRs or mirrorless cameras today that are relatively inexpensive, that has lowered the barrier to entry, or there's people armed with their smartphones, millions and millions of smartphones out there that are doing a pretty good job these days with photography. It is more important now than ever that you are able to represent yourself with a beautiful website in the markets you're competing in to tell your story and make it a a story that's told in a compelling way so that potential clients become clients. And Squarespace is the perfect tool to really help you do that, turning your dream into a reality. Squarespace makes it easier than ever to launch your passion project, whether you're looking to start a, a new business, showcasing your work, publishing content, selling products, everything that photographers need to do. Squarespace is the tool for you with beautiful templates created by world-class designers and the ability to customize just about anything with a few clicks. This isn't coding. It's not HTML and CSS and a lot of this, the tough stuff. You're a photographer. You don't need to worry about learning that technology, but you can create beautiful websites yourself. Squarespace's powerful e-commerce functionality lets you sell anything online and analytics help you to grow your site in real time. Everything is optimized for mobile. That's so key today. Most of your potential clients are probably looking for photography services on mobile devices. And if you don't have a website that's ready for mobile, you're missing out on a lot of potential clients. It also keeps the software fully up to date all the time. You don't have to worry about patching or upgrading. You can buy domains very simply and easily through Squarespace. And if you ever get stuck, which is probably not, it's not very likely if you've got even the tiniest bit of experience doing websites. But uh, if you do get stuck, Squarespace has 24 by 7 award-winning customer support. They're there to help you and walk you through. They've empowered millions of people to be able to realize their website dreams, and I know they can help you too. You can head over to squarespace.com improve for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, make sure you use the offer code improve. That's going to save you 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain, and it'll let them know that we send them their way. Uh, we sent you their way, sorry. And at squarespace.com slash improve, offer code improve. We want to thank Squarespace so much for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's get to the top five now. Coming in at number five is an episode that was called How Photographers Can Improve Their Black and White with Jenna Martin. That aired in May of 2019. And if you're not familiar with Jenna Martin, she's a really fun, fun person. I love Jenna Martin. 
And uh, I didn't have her on the show enough. You know, we, we have a lot of people we ask to come on the show fairly frequently. And Jenna's one of them we need to get on more in 2020. I have actually been talking with her. I want to have her come on. We're going to do some more episodes with Jenna. Um, Jenna's just great. I loved, I love her attitude and her personality. She brings a lot to the show. I'm really happy to have her on. This was a great one where we talked about black and white photography. We shared tips. I asked Jenna to kind of come on and, and share how it is that she decides or she does goes through a creative process for black and white photography. And I asked her to do that because she has some really stunning images for first off, really, really stunning black and white photos that she's produced and that she's created. But, um, but also because it's not as an area where I feel like I have a skill today. I still don't really, even after doing the episode, I still have a lot of work that I can do here, I think. But um, she, she's like an expert in this, I, I felt. And I loved the images that she produced enough. I wanted to know what was her creative process to get there. How does she create black and white images? Um, I am still at the place in my own photography, and I was definitely during the recording of this episode, where I still feel like my photos look better in color than black and white. Like I just can't see a photo that should be in black and white and how I should turn it to black and white. And it's probably just not enough experience with it still. I need to go and, and just follow the tips that Jenna shared. But if you are interested in upping your black and white game, that is a really good episode to go and check out because Jenna shared some really interesting tips on thought process, creative process for for producing and creating black and white images. And uh, so kind of impressive. Again, half the year was all I had and it came in at number five for the most listened podcast episode in 2019. Okay, number four, we're getting into the, the really good ones here. Number four, a guide to photographic terms, part one. This aired in June of 2019, and we had like a, a actual roundtable for that episode. We call it the, the Master Photography Roundtable, but here I am doing a solo episode today, and we often have only two of us. We'd really like to have more um, roundtable episodes. More people, more voices makes it more interesting, and it's, it's a more fun and compelling discussion. And this was one where we didn't disappoint. This was uh, an episode hosted primarily by Brent. And then he had Levi and Jenna Martin. So we have another Jenna Martin podcast episode that, that made it into the top five. And uh, they talked about seven photographic words, words photographers tend to use. I hate it how photographers do this. I think a lot of photographers try to prove how smart they are by trying to use terms that other people won't understand. And I'm not even sure they fully understand it because a lot of them, when I challenge them to say, can you explain that to me? Can you help me understand what that means? They totally fall apart and they can't do it. And uh, so I, I think there's a lot who do this by experience and they kind of develop an understanding of something through experience, but they can't actually talk to it. <laughs> they can't actually explain it to somebody else. And, uh, and it's interesting. So this was an episode where Brent and Levi and Jenna went through seven terms that are often thrown about by photographers with no explanation. And it's a really good way to be able to kind of learn them. So if you're kind of at the beginning of your journey in, in your photography journey, this might be a really good episode to go and check out. Make sure you do it. And even if you're well down the path, there might be some things. Maybe you fit in that category of by experience, I kind of know how to do this, but I, I don't really understand it. And uh, go, go check out that episode. That's a guide to photographic terms part one. All right, coming in at number three, 
Lies from Camera Companies. This aired in February of 2019. So I had the benefit of having most of the year for people to be able to listen to it. This was Jeff and Brent. So me and Brent on an episode. Um, This one was one where we really stole the idea from our good friends, Tony and Chelsea Northrup. From their picture this podcast, it's a podcast I love listening to. I get behind on it with all the podcasts that I'm creating, so um, I'm not fully up on what they cover all the time. But um, but I happen to kind of follow this one in the, in the news uh, because I really liked the subject matter, lies from camera companies, lies that camera company, companies tell us, mostly so that they can sell cameras. I mean, that's their job. That's what they're supposed to do. <laughs> they're supposed to sell cameras to photographers. Um, but the, these, these are like misleading things. And they, they had a list of, of five that they went to, the five biggest lies. And I have a link to that episode if you want to go hear their thoughts directly from their mouths. And they did a great job of coming up with the idea and with covering it. But I, we also wanted to give our own commentary. So Brent and I also shared how we thought about their top five. And we added three more. We talked about uh, Fuji, Fuji X-Trans sensors, expanded ISO, and upgrading to improve, upgrading your camera body to improve, and, and lies that are associated with those things. So it was a fun episode. I really enjoyed doing it. I um, want to thank Ch- Tony and Chelsea again for um, you know the idea, and uh, we, we piggybacked off of it, and, and uh, it ended up being one of our top episodes in 2019. So thank you, Tony and Chelsea. It was a great, great episode. So fun to go listen to. All right. Now the top two episodes. Kind of fun, isn't it? Is I don't know. I hope you guys are liking this as much as I do. I found it just super interesting to see what it was, what, what subject matter you liked the most in 2019. Coming in at number two, backup for photographers. This aired in May of 2019. So a little more than half the year to be able to get into the top 10 and it almost made number one. That tells me that this is really important information. (laughs) This is something a lot of you are struggling with. And I get it because this is one of those topics where you, you really straddle between technical stuff and photography. And it's really a lot more on the technical side. And when we get into that much technology there's a a barrier there. It's really hard for photographers to get there. So this was an episode Brent and I did. We talked about what the three, two, one backup strategy is and how you can do it. Some of the technical details about how to do a three, two, one backup strategy in 2019. Um, If you don't know what that is, you definitely need to go check out this episode. If you don't know what three, two, one is uh, your photos are probably at risk. It's really the only way that you can, you should be fully comfortable that your photos are truly backed up as if you've implemented three, two, one. If you haven't, even though you think you have a backup, you probably don't. Not a, a, not one that will survive like most kinds of catastrophes and a catastrophe is headed your way. If you haven't had one yet, as we're talking about this, if you're fairly new and you haven't yet had a hard drive fail it's coming. It's going to happen. I promise you it will. And if you don't have backup, it's going to be very, very sad for you. So a uh, good episode to go and make sure you listen to. It's called Backup for Photographers. And uh, I'm sure it sounds like based on the, the this information that this was one of the top two listened to episodes, we probably need to cover it again in 2020. We probably need to, to bring on some other folks and uh, try to rehash it 
maybe talk about newer technology options that come out in 2020. As I'm recording this here in early January, the Consumer Electronics Show, the CES conference is happening in Las Vegas. There's new products coming out, new hard drives, uh, new options there. So we'll, we'll probably need to tackle this topic again in 2020 because it's so, so important that photographers do this. And uh, if you haven't listened to it, make sure you do. All right. Now, the number one episode in 2019. Super interesting to me. It's going to be a little hard to tell if this was because of the topic or because of the date. This was aired in January 2019. So it had the benefit of being out there all year long for people to listen to. And uh, so maybe that had to do with it, but it's probably the topic. It's an episode that was called Instagram and Photographers in 2019. And this was an episode that Connor and I did. And we opened the show up because there was massive news at that time about a commercial photographer who lost a huge commercial job. One of their like one of their once in a lifetime or, you know, launching your career into the the massive commercial space. And they lost the job because they didn't have enough Instagram followers, enough presence on Instagram. Um, and so that was really interesting to us that, you know, that the hiring process or what the, the company, this was a big company. Uh, if I remember right, it was Canon. It was a Canon, a job to shoot for Canon and Canon had just made a rule in the, within the company that they couldn't hire anyone to do photography if they didn't have at least 50,000 followers, something like that. You'd have to go and check the show to see exactly what it was. But some big company, I think it was Canon, but some some big company had decided that that was an important thing that they had to add to their hiring process. And even though this photographer was chosen based on their skills and their fit for the job, they had to say, I'm sorry, we can't actually hire you to do this commercial job because you don't have enough Instagram followers. And that's That was sad to me because we have now a very skilled photographer who lost their chance to have to do a job because of a social media platform. And, you know, I, I disagree myself with that, but I'm a photographer. So I, I, you know, that's why I take umbrage with that. That's why it's a concern for me. And I kind of get it a little bit about why Canon's there. They, they need to do everything they can to market to photographers. And that's another element that they had to consider in their business model. We have these big paid photo shoots. We need to make sure they're marketed the very most we can. And there's enough like that, you know, they, they get to pick from the world's best photographers to hire for the job. So there's enough of them that do have the Instagram presence. I think I, I, I kind of get it on their side about why it is they'd have that policy. I don't know if they still do, but um, it, it just hurts for me to think that a photographer lost their their chance on that job with that. Um, then we talked about our own uses of Instagram. Um, I talked about how as a hobbyist, I had been choosing, I chose deliberately in January of 2019 to really not leverage Instagram myself. I like Instagram. I like following people. I like seeing the, fo- the photos that you all take. I love seeing listeners tag the show and include us in your own photography as you're sharing on Instagram. I'm in there every day. I go check out the app every single day and kind of see the photos that are in there. But it's just, it takes too much work for me personally without any 
real benefit to what it is I want to do with my photography. So I talked about that. If you want more information, go listen to that episode. And I don't think I'm going to change my position here in 2020. Um, for what I am doing, it just doesn't fit. But I think it makes a lot of sense for a lot of photographers to make sure that you are leveraging that platform. And I do think we need to do, um, we need to refresh. We need to, I, I know a, an expert, um, Pactography is his Instagram handle. And I, I know an expert who has done a phenomenal job of leveraging Instagram to really expand his photography business. He is a hobbyist photographer. He's an accountant by trade. And so I think I will make sure to get him to come on and do an episode with us because he is an accountant. He's actually a tax specific accountant. His tax season is impossible for us to get him on. So it'll have to be after tax season, sometime middle to uh, end of the year. I'll make sure to have him come on the show and we'll refresh in 2020 Instagram for photographers. It is the number one listened to episode from 2019 and we'll make sure we do that. Now, it's your turn to be able to tell us what you'd like to see us cover in 2020. We'd love to have suggestions on what you'd like to hear episodes on. You just heard the topics here. Would you like us to repeat them? I think Instagram is one that we should repeat. Sharpening photos, backup photos, uh, new camera releases, printing, whatever. There's lots of lots of topics to be able to cover and we have 52 episodes that we're going to try to do in 2020. And uh, what would you like to see us see them beyond? It's your chance to be able to, to really try to tell us what you'd like to hear. So we'd love to see in the Facebook group what you'd like to see us cover. And, uh, and we'll, we'll take that into consideration. But we're also going to kind of you know follow what's popular in the mainstream photography media, covering stories, news items, or even just personal things that we go through. That's a lot. Some of, some of the shows are just because... I have something that I am recently doing and it's really easy for me able to draw upon that experience and research and, and relay that through a, a podcast episode. I hope you found this show interesting and uh, let me know too if you want to have that happen every year. Should we do the first show every year is one where we, we talk about this. All right, now let's talk about the doodads of the week. I do have a really good doodad of the week this week. And that is the Godox X1R uh, wireless flash trigger single receiver. Now, so first off, the name is terrible, but it's the X1R really. But it, it also, you have to make sure you buy the one specific to your camera system. So there's the X1R is kind of the, the model name, and then it has a dash and a, a letter for the camera system. So it's a dash C for Canon, a dash N for Nikon, a dash S for Sony, a dash O or P Panasonic, O Olympus, and kind of a variable there. Anyway, there's there, it's specific to your camera system. And this week in the Facebook group, I had a super interesting discussion. And, um, and it, it was really fascinating to me because this works in a way that's different. I need to thank listener Michael Hampton, um, in the Facebook group, because he went to a lot of effort to really help me with this. He had access to this trigger or this receiver, sorry, this trigger receiver, as well as a Canon, a Godox and a Young Newell flash, which I don't have all of those things. In fact, I don't, I don't own this receiver, but because of what Michael was able to help me understand how this works, I highly recommend it right now. If you are in the situation 
where you want to use Godox gear, but you already have some other gear. We've been recommending Godox now for quite a while. That was another thing that changed in 2019. We, we switched from Yongnuo as our recommendation for very inexpensive but working flash photography gear uh, to Godox. We definitely went to, to, to Godox as our recommended system for everybody but hobbyist, and, and that's one of the beautiful things Godox can grow with you. This receiver allows you to, to make that transition and still use the gear you already have. So um, I can't guarantee it will work on every flash that's out there, but at least on a Yongnuo and on a Canon and on a Godox, uh, Michael posted some videos in the Facebook group showing how by putting this receiver onto the hot shoe connector on the flashes and then using them off camera, he was a not not only could he pop the flash using a Godox controller on his camera, but he could also control the change the power and zoom settings, zoom levels on those flashes, even though they're an incompatible system alone. So it's a, if you had investment in flashes where you've already spent a fair amount of money on flashes, you want to start into the Godox system. This is a really good way to be able to still use your other flashes. I didn't know that it still worked. I knew you could get these receivers and pop the flashes. That's really common for it to work that way. But I didn't know that these receivers also made it so you could still change the power and the zoom of the flashes. I thought that was only going to work when, when you have the same brand. And thank you, Michael, so much for, for sending me videos showing how this worked. It was amazing. And I can't say that this is going to be a common thing where if you choose a different system besides Godox for your controller and you buy receivers that it's going to work like this. But another win for Godox for me, I had Young Newell receivers that I tried to use with some other flashes and they did not do this, which is why I thought that's kind of how everything worked. But um, with the Godox receiver, it's a good way to be able to keep non-Godox flashes in your in your gear kit uh, and make that transition. I still think the very best way to make sure you have the best possible chance for everything working is to have the same brand stuff. That's just a really good rule to live by. If, you, if you're going to use flash gear, there's enough other problems that can get in the way and things that can cause issues. You don't need the issue of having cross-branded products. You don't want a mix of brands in your arsenal. But as a temporary situation or as one you're working to change and you need you know, time and money to be able to, to affect and get through and, and update everything to Godox, uh, this is a great way to be able to buy yourself some time and be able to still get a lot of functionality. So again, I can't guarantee it will work that way with every brand or even every model of every brand, but... I think there's a decent chance that if you have Young Nuo, for example, and you want to switch to Godox for the triggers and start getting some Godox lights, that this would be a good way to go. They're only $40 a piece, which is, is still a little steep. I, I wish they were more like 20, maybe 10, but $40 a piece, you can use your other your exi existing gear and, uh, and buy yourself some time if you want to switch over to Godox. So I, I highly recommend it. Based on the videos, again, I don't have them myself, but based on the videos from Michael, thank you again, Michael. That was awesome. All right, there's the dude out of the week, and there's a link to it in the show notes if you want to go and 
check that out. I want to remind everyone where you can get the show notes. I had a listener ask me, where can I find the show notes? I don't see how to do it. And they said they were listening to the show in Google Music. I'm not exactly sure what that means, what Google Music, I'm going to have to go research that. And they, they're like, I literally have, I don't see anywhere where I can link, where there's a link to show notes. So if you, if that's you, if you're having a hard time finding the show notes, no matter what, how you're listening to the show, it's over at masterphotographypodcast.com. You can just go to that website and the show notes are right there on the landing page when you get there for the most recent show. Then there's a nice handy search bar to be able to search for other shows. So I went through the top 10 shows. If you want to find those shows, you can just go search for the name and there'll be links in the show notes to those episodes too. There's the Facebook group, which we mentioned over and over in this episode. Master Photography Podcast is the group. You can search for it there. We are trying to keep the spammers and the bots out of there. So you do have to answer a question to, to join I continue to see at least half of the people who ask to join the group are not answering that question. And it's really easy. If you don't answer the question, we are not letting you in the group. We want listeners only. You have to name a host. That's me, Jeff. If you want to put Jeff, uh, you can name Brent and Connor and Erica and Brian or any of the others, uh, Levi, Jenna, Greg Benz, any of them are going to work. Lord Page, our good friend, Nick Page. Any of those names will work common hosts on the show and we will be happy to have you in the group, but we want listeners only. And remember the rules. If you're not courteous, we will kick you out. I had to do that this last week. It was hard, but I did do it. Um, Instagram for the show is at master photography podcast. Love to have you tag us in your photos. You can find my work over at jsharmanphotos.com. I'd love to have you check out my other podcast. That's photo taco podcast over at photo taco podcast.com. And you can search for all kinds of topics and show notes there. Uh, My Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook links will also be there. Thank you all so much for listening. We had a great 2019. I'm looking forward to having an even better 2020. And we'll see you again in another seven days.